The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Now, I encourage you to go to the foundation scriptures that we've been reading from uh, Matthew 17 and verse 1 to 9 about the Mount of Transfiguration, and you'll see that verse 2 says that Jesus was transfigured before them, and his face to shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And of course, this goes for the building of the house, because Peter said, a Lord is good for us to be here, let's build three tabernacles. <laughs> In the glory, you get ideas to build, you know, and Jesus ignored it, and he didn't make any comment about it because he was building something else. And then look at verse 3 of Mark chapter 9, it says, his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can wipe them. In other words, there was no any outside external fire that could make his garments gleam like it was. In actual fact, one translation says his, his garments looked like flashes of lightning. Now, when you find yourself in that, and people told me this week, some people said like a laser hit them. People felt fire hit them. The colonel said he was blasted of a, of a cannon or a tank. Um, but when God touches you, your whole life changes. It's called to be transfigured, which you can see the Greek there, to change form, to change the figure, form or outward appearance of, to change into another form, to transform literally or figuratively, to transfigure, to change completely the nature or the appearance of a person or thing to transform outwardly and usually, and usually for the better. Transfigure has a Latin root that says to change the shape of. How many of you know that when God transfigured you, he changed the whole shape of your life? You were going this way and he moved you this way. I mean, I've just been transfigured last night. We were going this way and now we're going to slow things down and there's no telling what God's going to do now as he does it. And it says here, while its meaning is similar to transform, there's usually an additional sense to make better, to be transformed for the better, upgraded, improved, made greater, made more beautiful. You're being made more beautiful in these meanings. Turn, turn to your neighbor and just say, you are being made more beautiful in these meanings. Somebody said that was a little embarrassing to do that at this juncture. But just say thank you. Amen. Especially if you're a wife and amen. All right. Well, I probably should have reiterated because some people are sitting next to strangers. They don't know. People say, oh my God, I went to the River Church and somebody turned to me and said, you're being made more beautiful. Yeah, but the pastor told them to say that, so don't hold them accountable. To transform usually is a very positive and often a very spiritual way to give a new and typical exalted or spiritual appearance to a person or a thing implies a change that exalts or glorifies, 
to become or cause to become more exalted, to elevate or idealize in allusion to Christ's transfiguration. Now, whenever someone is transfigured, there will be witnesses to that transfiguration. First of all, your wife should be able to see it. Your husband should be able to see it. Your children should be able to see it. Your co-workers should be able to see it. So they, in other words, they look at you and go, man, there's something happened to you. I don't know, what, where have you been? What did you do? You look different. Somebody grabbed me and said, people are saying that my whole face has changed since I've been here. They've been FaceTiming home. And the people at home said, what happened to you? What are you doing down there? You look younger. So the Lord touched people. You know, a burden can change the way you look. You drew in, you know, drawn in, you stuck in the realm of your mind, and your whole look, your whole demeanor changes. That's what happened to this dear pastor. She came here. I was so concerned for you when I saw you first, because I knew you were carrying a burden, and I really prayed. I didn't the first day. I kind of did and I thought, no, I'm going to get her. I have to. I've got to get her. I can't let her go back like that. And then the Lord did the work. Yes, yes. And you'll not be. And I'll check up on you, on you when I come to Peter Marisburg now. Amen. So, they're witnesses. Jesus was transfigured right in front of them in the presence of Peter, James, and John. They were witnessing his glory, his ministry, his miracles his transfiguration, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his glorification. They bore witness so that they could go tell every one of us, as it's even released till this day, after Jesus raised from the dead and after his redeeming work. And what does the Bible say? In the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Therefore, you can be watching say, I don't believe that, but we've got witnesses for everyone's transfiguration. There's people that can testify of your life changed because you were a scabenga, but God transformed your life. Amen. You can testify of the change that's taken place in his life over the years. For every person that's come out of the world that's encountered God, there's people around you that say, I want to tell you right now, I know that person, and they have undergone a transfiguration. There's a, wit there's a witness. How many can say that you are witness to the transfiguration of somebody that you know because they encountered Jesus? Raise your hand. You're witness to your own transfiguration. Sober now, what, several years? Three years. About three years. Totally a walking alcoholic at a young age. God set him free. Yeah. How many here were walking bag of anger? And God set you free. Who was a walking bag of depression? Who was just a plain mental case? <laughs> Who was a plain loony tunes? Now, there are some people that are, but have never acknowledged anything that I even, but they currently still are, but we're working on them. Anyway, I won't pull them out, but somebody said, no, did he mean me? I didn't mean anybody. They're watching in their homes. They're not here today. <laughs> so the glory of Jesus 
always carries his presence. Always carries his presence. John 1 and 14 says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness to that glory and transfiguration. That's why he wrote about it. When Jesus was on the earth, he was as much divine as before he left the courts of heaven. I saw that somebody the other day said, Jesus actually came as a man and he only became divine when the heavens opened. I thought, what? That's total heresy. He was God manifest in the flesh. I saw another bishop say the other day that 80% of what Jesus did in his ministry was, he was off. Oh no, this is what's being preached from American pulpits today. Yeah, Jesus was wrong. I heard it in my own ears. Major ministry in America is saying that now. Jesus was out of line. He needed, he, uh, Listen, it, we have to pray, folks. There's major problems going on. When Jesus was on the earth, he was as much divine as when he, before he left heaven, as when he was in heaven. But he made himself of no reputation. Listen, to accomplish God's plan, you have to make yourself of no reputation. You have to make yourself of no reputation, especially when the glory of God is going to rest upon you. He took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. That's why in John, and that's found in Philippians 2, 7, John 17, 5, and now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. So he laid aside his royal robes of deity in that glory that he was on him and took on human flesh, but he was still God in the flesh. It only started when he come up out of the water of the Jordan and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. But that was just a part of what they saw. They could, if God had put that glory back like that, it would have killed everybody. They could not stand in the presence. And even, you know, what happened to Moses, blind for three days, couldn't even, uh, I mean, saw blind for three days, couldn't see or even eat. Moses on the mount for 40 days came down. They thought he was dead. The mount is shaken with lightning and tremblings and earthquakes, and he comes down and his face is shining brighter than the sun. Yet he still struck the rock. Go figure that out. But remember, Moses didn't have the indwelling of the presence of God. Somebody says that makes you worse than Moses because you have the indwelling of the presence. No, it just makes you a human being because you're dealing with your head. And that's the last thing that needs to be totally transformed, which you're going to get a glorified body and then you will never have a battle between your head and your heart. Amen. So the things you want to do, you don't do. The things you do, you don't want to do. But, and that's the struggle. I'm never going to go there and preach. God says, go there and preach. I'll never ever mark this down. I will never travel to that place and go preach. God says, go to that place and preach. Somebody said, you said you'd never. I know I said not it. Please forgive me. That's why you should start thinking about all the things you said you'd never do. You'll never find me going to that country. I'm staying right here. God says, I want you to go to that country. 
Why? Because it's out of your comfort zone. It's where you have to go and trust Him. So the glory of God was on Jesus before the foundation of the earth. John 17, 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. In eternity, Jesus carries and is covered in the glory of God, and all those who belong him will see him in the triumph of his glory. This is an excellent glory. This is beyond compare. One moment in his glory and your whole life changes. That's why the devil, and I mentioned this last night, wants to pull you out of the cloud to get you in the natural because he can defeat you. Think about this. The Bible says, he who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Somebody said, I want to live like that. Well, Psalm 91 tells you that. Somebody said, where's the secret place? It's secret. Somebody said, but they can hear my voice. Well, he knows you in the area, but he can't find you because you're in a secret place. Hidden. God will hide you. God will hide you. So you see the glory of God manifest at the birth of Jesus. You see it throughout his ministry. You see it at the resurrection when the stone was rolled away. I mean, we can spend hours on this. All were manifestations of the glory of God. The angels sing, joy to the world, light from heaven, all, you know, all of that. And then um, his whole life. And then when he's risen from the dead. And even when they met him after the resurrection, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Why? Because it was the glory. They felt the glory. Moses and Elijah. Now, on the Mount of Transfiguration, two people appeared. Moses and Elijah. Moses represented, and he was gone, from, buried for about 1,700 years. Okay, but there he was talking to Jesus. He could not have been resurrected because Jesus had not been crucified and raised from the dead. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, and the firstfruits of all those who died. Elijah, who was not dead, but he'd been living in, heavenly, in heaven in an earthly body for nearly a thousand years. And the two of them appeared. Why? because it confirmed the following. It confirmed the end and the abolition of the law, the fulfillment of the prophecies of the suffering of the Messiah, Christ as the Messiah and the only mediator between God and man, that immortality of soul and reality of consciousness of departed spirits and the reality of physical resurrection and then the second coming and eternal rewards and punishments and the reality of the future eternal kingdom. So you had the past, the present, and the future all standing there on that mount of transfiguration would represent the fulfillment of everything. That's why God said, again, this is my beloved son and listen to him. And when you are transfigured, you'll see the whole thing. You'll see the whole thing. You'll have a revelation of what he did for you, what he accomplished for you. You'll see it all. You cannot have an encounter with God and be normal again in, in, in the natural way of a religious person. You just, as I said this week, you'll see things others can't see. You'll know things others don't know. And, and you'll be steps ahead of the enemy. So... I'm just talking about me for a moment, not to talk about me. I'm just talking about how the Lord works with me. I have to see it here. 
Because in the glory you see something. So if somebody said, well, let's do this, I can't see it. Yeah, but I'm showing you here. Yeah, but that's there. I've got to see it here. And that's what happened in every one of your hearts. You'll see it. You'll see it. If you can see it, you can do it. If you can see it, you can accomplish it. If you can see it, you can do it. Let me tell you right now, because that's how God works. So you go back to what you see, go back to what you know, and go back to what the Lord originally told you to do and stay with that. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Now, let's, let's wrap this up here today. And, and tonight I'm going to continue. I just want to give you the bullet points for the congregation. You can go back and listen to the messages of the week. We, we are transformed and changed. Think of the things that you used to do that you don't do anymore. Think of the things that you were involved in that you're not involved in anymore. The places you used to go, the associations you used to have, the things you used to, in the natural do, that the world does, that actual fact, the desire of that left you. Like if you even thought about maybe just, you know, I'd go down there and eat one of those cookies again, like, like my mother used to make. A little added, some leaves in there. And not that anybody ever partook of those kinds of cookies. I mean, I've talked to people that used to be in the world that they say God uses them in a mighty way, and then suddenly they start doing, they go back to start, I, I have a drink. Why do you do that? Well, I was under pressure. So the devil forces you into that place. No, I'm changed, I'm transformed. Romans 12 and verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the, the transfiguration of your spirit now has to translate into the transformation of your mind. And he said that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Why would I not be able to prove what the good and acceptable perfect will of God is? Because I won't let my mind know. That's the decision I made. We're going to do it. Those are the deadlines and we stick it with that. And never, ever, I even heard one preacher say, he said, look, you make a decision, stay with it. Even if it's wrong, do not change because people will never follow you as a leader. And I thought, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Because what he's inferring is that everybody's stupid. People are not stupid. They're actually going to follow you more because they can trust you and say, look, if we're going this way, I know God's going God's to turn this thing. This is like a big ship, so it takes a while to turn some things. How many you know? You can turn a little canoe, you can turn a boat around, but you can have a big aircraft carrier. You can't just turn it around. I've been on the John F. Kennedy offshore. They flew me on in a mail plane. They, they landed me on, they caught me by that whole, what do you call that thing? The elastic band, I called it. I landed on there, I was three days on there. I was running up and down. I was all over the place in the officer's mess, talking to the captain, praying for people, the Holy Ghost. 4.6 acres of was retired now, but 4.6 
acres of sovereign U.S. territory. They, they were shooting those planes off. You're lying in your bed at night. Everything's shaking. Whatever. I thought, I said to them, you live like this. Yeah, we live like this. Landings and taking off. And then you hear a funny noise. What happened? The thing that malfunctioned, you know. Pretty crazy. And then I'm going by stuff and the, the stuff's covered. I said, what's in there? You can't see it. I'd like to. Yeah. You're not authorized. But they said, we're monitoring every plane in the air around the world at any one time. We know from this plane. I said, from this plane? Every, yeah, we know where every aircraft is in the air. The moment it takes off and lands. Man, I was standing on this aircraft car. I thought, Lord, have mercy. This is like... And they told me, I can't remember the exact number, but they said this aircraft carrier is the, I think it was the seventh most powerful country in the world in the firepower that it had on. That, that 4.6 miles was the seventh most powerful nation. I said, You're gonna be, well, there's 5,000 people. They have their own post box, everything. That's why the mail plane comes in there. It was the most amazing thing to watch. And I came back, I told the whole church back then, I said, let me tell you, you're safe, which I can't say now. You know what I mean? Because of all the stuff they've done to basically remove the power of a nation that once stood tall. Because they, the industrial military complex doesn't just want America, they want all the nations to have all their products. And you can only get all their products if you go to war. So if there's no war, we'll make a war, and then you need our planes, you need our boats, you need this and that and the other thing. But they will not succeed, and they will not accomplish what they want to do. God will prevail because his church is here. We are the restraining force in the earth today. Can you say amen? amen. So don't be worried. Don't fret. God hasn't quit yet. He hasn't left America. I know somebody said, God left America. He couldn't. We, uh, what do you mean God left America? The Lord has left America. He has turned his back. In your dreams. Somebody said, you're going to strike me with a rod? No, an angel needs to strike you <laughs> with a rod. So tr have your mind transformed. Somebody said, my mind is being transformed. Again, the scripture we used when we started, Second Corinthians 3 and 18, but we all, everybody say we all. We all. Y'all. With open face, beholding the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory unto glory. So the word transfigured is called changed. The mirror is the word of God. We look in that mirror, we can see we're different. We're being changed. We're constantly being transfigured into his very own image to look more and more like Jesus in ever-increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another. We are transfigured from inside out by the activity of the Word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I tell you, I just know that a quick work is being done and you watch between now and the May conference or the summer one or the fall one, every single one of you that have come from the outside 
When you get back here, you're going to be in a different place. And then even for the congregation that have pressed in here this week. Yeah. Listen, who, how many would say, Pastor, I went to another level this week in everything. God was doing work in me. Well, get ready because the manifestation of that level is going to be made manifest. And somebody said, how long is it going to take? In the next three months. In the next three months. February, March, and April. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And there are going to be many witnesses because of the change and the transfiguration in your life. People are going to be impacted. They'll stop you saying, please tell me what's going on. I know you. What's happened? How come you went through that circumstance that would have crushed a normal person and yet you're still smiling? I don't understand it. What you went through is enough to send anybody to a mental institution. And here you are, happy, and still rejoicing. And you say, because of the hand of the Lord, the hand of God that has carried me and brought me through. And we always give him the glory, and we always give him the praise, and we always give him the honor. And I just want to say this, those of you that have relocated, God sent you down here because you felt you want to be part of this. I've had people grab me and say, Pastor, I, I was waiting. I've, some people waited two years to get here. They've just arrived. I've been waiting to come and be a part of the harvest and souls and what God's doing. That you're in the right place at the right time. And you will see his hand and you will see his glory. And you're going to see the fullness of what God has promised to you in your life. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. I want every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Did you get something out of that? Everybody say changed. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give an invitation right now for those that maybe you came here today, a friend brought you, you came because of television, but you've never given your life to Jesus. You never said, Jesus, come be my Lord and Savior. I need to ask you this question because I ask this all the time. What would happen if something took place today, like you went home, put your head on your pillow, in the middle of the night, you passed? I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I'm just saying what would happen if? What would happen if by tonight, suddenly you breathe out your last breath? Where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And you don't have to go to devil's hell because 2,000 years ago, on Calvary's cross, the price was paid, the blood was shed. And just like that old song says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sin is plunged beneath that flood, lose all the guilty stain. The day the power of sin, the power of guilt and shame is going to leave your life and you're going to walk from this place transformed, transfigured, and changed, not by the hand of man, but by the hand of the Lord. Jesus is standing with arms wide open. He says, come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He calls you. He calls you. Will you surrender to him today? Will you say, Lord, I'm tired of trying to do this in my own strength. I need to surrender my life to you. 
Maybe you gave your life to the Lord in days gone by, but you allowed the things of the world to come in. Pride, unforgiveness, bitterness, jealousy, anger, lust, the hidden things that clog the heart of man. Or maybe an outward thing now has just devastated your life and because people know about it, because they know about it, you feel, man, well, what's the use? People know how bad I am. It's all is lost. It's not lost. Jesus is standing with arms right open, and he says, come unto me. All you that labor and have laid, I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what he says. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. then maybe in the past four years you've been through the worst storm or even further back, a sudden divorce, a bankruptcy, the loss of a loved one, a sudden illness, the betrayal of a close friend, the loss of a job. Something happened that shook and rocked your world. But today, today you say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Today, I'm surrendering my life afresh to you. Would you do that? And then what? If you were here today and you say, Pastor, I do love Jesus, but I don't have the assurance. I don't know that I know. There's a constant battle with my head and my heart. And the devil's always lying to me, telling me that I'm not saved. But today, I want to make saved. I want to make sure I'm saved. If that's you, right where you are, quickly. If you fit into any one of these categories, I want to pray with you and for you. Just go ahead and put your hand up right now and say, pray for me. Raise it up high. Thank you. God bless you. 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 All the way to the back, just raise up. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Just raise it up. Say, yes, that's me. I'm not leaving this place the same way I came. Once you've raised it, you can put it down. Anybody else? Anyone else? Thank you. The Spirit of God is speaking to people. You might never have another opportunity today. He calls you. Will you respond? You can put your hands down. I want you to look at me now in this, which is the western side of this pavilion. If you didn't raise your hand but want to be included, just put that hand up right now and say, include me. Uh, don't forget me. I want to be included in the prayer that you're praying. Quickly, just slip it up. Thank you over there. Anybody else? Anyone else? You feel your heart beating? That lady? Yes. You feel your heart just racing like this? God speaking to you. Anybody in the center section right now? Just quickly. Thank you. Thank you, yes. Anybody here in this center section of this pavilion? Just quickly put it up all the way to the back. I'm trying to see ushers. You have to point them out to me. And then over here on the eastern side of the pavilion, just quickly, just put your hand up and say, pray, pray for me. Pray for me. Please include me. Thank you. Thank you. I want everyone that raised your hand to stand to your feet right now, all across the venue. I want you to bring, bring your personal belongings. Come stand right here. We're going to pray together today. And then you that are watching by television, we're going to pray too. Right where you are, you can raise your hand in your house. Somebody said, nobody can see me. Jesus can see you, and today you can surrender. Just come right down here. 
Everybody that's standing, quickly come. Just come. And as I pray with them, you can pray with me. You can pray with me, a simple prayer. Today is your day of victory. He calls you. Don't delay. Just come right now. He loves you. He loves you so much. before me the world behind me no turning back no turning back you in your homes if you just stand right where your television is and we're going to pray together you down here if you look at me we're going to pray one prayer one prayer for us all if you mean busy with God God means busy with you this is not a game we've had the privilege of doing this in 92 countries of the world this is now in my 44th year and everywhere I go I see people that come up to me say I came in that meeting my whole life changed so I know what's about to take place. If you mean business with God, it's a done deal because God's a very personal God and he cares about you and he loves each and every one of you. So can we buy this? No. Can we earn it? No, it's free, but we have to humble ourselves and come to him and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin and I, for I repent of it and I ask you to forgive me. And then he does. He comes and he forgives you. And then you confess Jesus as your Lord. So let's do that together. Just close your eyes. You and your homes, close your eyes. Raise your right hand to heaven. And pray this together with me. Say, Father, I come to you in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, you said in your word, if I confess with my mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I believe in my heart. God has raised Jesus from the dead, I will be saved. So Father, right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart right now. Take out the stony heart, put in a heart of flesh. Wash me, cleanse me, change me, fill me, use me. Let me never be the same again. 
I turned my back on the world. I turned my back on sin. I follow you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me, for shedding your blood for me, that you rose from the dead for me, and you're coming back again for me. And from today, I'm changed. From today, I'm transformed. From today, I'm transfigured. Not because of man, but because of you, Lord Jesus. Thank you right now. I'm saved. Now, I'll just lift those hands. Let me pray over you, Father. I pray that you would seal them by your blood and by your spirit, that on that day not one would be missing. Raise them up to be mighty men and women of God and use them to impact this generation, I pray. I break every bondage, every addiction, everything that's tormenting them, every spirit of witchcraft working against their life. It matters not. I break it now and set you free by the power of the blood of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, be totally free from this day. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, use them in a mighty way. Raise them up to be mighty people of God and use them, use them, use them, use them. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me right now. As a servant of the Most High God, by the power of the blood of Jesus, by the power of the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and everything that was accomplished at Calvary, I tell you right now, your sins are forgiven you right now. <laughs> forgiven. Somebody said, like that? Just like that. Forgiven. You forgiven, you forgiven, 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 forgiven. Every one of you. Somebody said, Oh, I can't be forgiven. Whatever. You are. Right now. Totally forgiven. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.